The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Uh, go ahead and grab them. Uh, John chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, we've got some there in the back. If you just want to raise your hand up, uh, we have those coming around. We can pass those out to you. If you don't own a Bible, you can take that one with you. That's uh, our gift to you. But we're going to be in John chapter uh, 18. We're going to start in 18. We're going to move through uh, 19 this morning. If you're just now joining us, let me explain to you what's going on. Uh, we've been preaching through the Gospel of John for some time now. We took a little break at Christmas, a little break at the beginning of the year. Uh, but we're wrapping up this uh, Gospel of John sermon series, uh, and it's going to lead us right up into Easter. And so uh, today we're talking about Jesus uh, being delivered. And so uh, last week we really entered in uh, to what is the last day of Jesus's life on earth. And I don't want to say it's his last day forever, but it's his last day prior to the resurrection, okay? Because we believe uh, that Jesus is alive, right? He rose from the grave. And so this is the last day uh, before his uh, death crucified. And so here it is. Uh, Jesus comes in, and we're faced with the fact that Jesus has to die. Uh, he even says, I was born for this reason. I was born to die. And so here he is. It's kind of culminating into the last day. And the, the religious leaders, they, they bring Jesus in. Uh, they try him unjustly. He's found not guilty. Uh, and so, but they still want uh, to kill him. And the reason why they want to kill him is because they're accusing him of blasphemy. All right, and let me tell you what that is. Blasphemy is basically uh, when you're claiming to be God uh, and you're blasphemous unless you actually are God. All right, you see the, see the difference there. Jesus is claiming over and over again to be God and he is absolutely guilty of blasphemy unless he's actually God and then he's telling the truth. All right, and so they're bringing him in and saying, this guy continues to proclaim that he's God. He's continuing to proclaim he's the son of God. He makes himself one with God and Jesus' healing and his miracles and his teaching with authority all point to that truth. And so the religious leaders hate him. They hate him. And in light of those things, they're saying, we've got to kill this Guy. But the problem is, is that the Jewish uh, religious leaders, they don't have authority to execute Jesus. All right, because right now, uh, Rome serves as their overarching government. And so Rome only has the ability to execute somebody. And so these religious leaders, they need help to put to death. Now, here's the deal Jesus must die. This is God's plan. This is God's plan for the reconciliation and the overcoming of sin in all of the world that Jesus would die for the wages of sin. That's Romans 3.23. That for the wages of sin, there is death and Jesus is going to pay that death. And he's going to bear the sin and he's going to bear the weight and he's going to put all the sin upon himself and he's going to hang on a tree. That's, that's 1 Peter 2.24. And so even though this is God's plan, you need to see this. That even though it's God's plan for Jesus to die, it doesn't let the men who killed Jesus off the hook of guilt. All right, you, you with me with that? So these guys actually plot to kill Jesus and they are guilty of Jesus' death. But the big thing is, is that God uses guilt to bring about redemption. There's a godly guilt that says, you know what? I've done wrong in the eyes of God and I need a savior enter Jesus Christ in faith in him. And so here's the deal. Last week, 
We looked at this interaction between Pilate and Jesus. It's a phenomenal interaction, right? There's great dialogue going on there. And we got to see Jesus brought before Pilate, who is the governor at this time. And they begin to have this conversation about if he's guilty or not. And so that's last week. But this week, we get to see another phenomenal conversation between Pilate and the religious leaders, namely the Jewish party. All right? And, and it is phenomenal. So let me give you some background here. Uh, Pilate uh, serves Rome. He serves under the emperor of Tiberius, which is known as Caesar. So in the text, you're going to see this name. Caesar, that's who he's serving under. And he was in charge of keeping the peace. Basically, Pilate was the civil leader. He was the governor over the area. And his job was to keep the peace. Are you with me? And so here he is, a Roman governor over these Jewish people. People are coming in Jerusalem, and his job is to keep the peace. Now, very early on in Pilate's appointment to this position, he learned some things about the Jews. This is what he learned. He learned that the Jewish people don't tolerate false gods. All right? Because early on, historically... Pilate tried to bring in idols into this area. Pilate tried to bring in false gods into this area. And there were massive, massive, massive revolts. All right, because the Jewish people have nothing to do with false gods. They believe there is one God, the almighty God. And if you try to make something else God, we revolt and there's an uprising. And what is Pilate in charge of? Keeping the peace. And so we're not having anything to do with these uprisings. We're not having anything to do with these revolts. And he learned early on because two times he tried it and two times the people got hostile. Are you with me? And so that's the deal with Pilate. And so he brings in these false gods and Caesar gets uh, word that he's bringing in these false gods. And he says, hey, you need to get rid of those false gods. You need to get rid of those idols or I'm going to get rid of your head. Now that's pressure. Right? And so Caesar's watching Pilate, watching him keeping the peace, watching him do the right thing. Okay, we don't want an uprising. You either, you either make him happy or it's going to be the axe for you. All right? So Pilate is, is really uh, afraid of the Jewish people because they have the opportunity to revolt and go against them. The Jews are afraid of Jesus, and Jesus is afraid of nobody. All right? And I love, I love this. And so, and so Caesar doesn't mess around. Uh, and Pilate uh, is not, not stupid. Listen, the, the Romans know that if you're going to rule over a people, you've got to give them something. Right? I mean, you don't oppress them totally. You've you got to give them something. And so what do the Romans decide they want to give the Jewish people is their religion. We'll let you... Love your God, we'll let you serve your God, we'll let you sacrifice your God, we'll let you do your religion the way you want to do your religion. And so there's two types of law going on here. There's a civil law or a government law, and then there's the religious law. All right? And they're trying to, trying to balance each other. The Jews are over the religious law, the Jewish leaders, and so they bring to Pilate and say, hey, we have a religious law that says this guy's guilty, and, and we need your help, civil law. We need the government to put him to death. And so they're trying to work hand in hand together. And so uh, Pilate says, okay, you can have your religion and serve your God. But the Romans, they're, they're not very, uh, they're either over-religious or they're not very religious, depending on how you determine it. You see in Rome, if you're a Roman, uh, you maybe studied this in school, uh, is Romans have hundreds of gods. 
I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gods. There's a God of this, there's a God of that, there's a God of rain, there's a God of wind, there's a God of fire, there's a God of cloud, uh, this God uh, made out with this God, and now they had this God, and this God had this God. And so here's the deal, is they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gods, and they're very superstitious. They believe in multiple gods, hundreds of gods, and they believe in demigods, which is God's children actually coming and walking on earth. Percy Jackson, right? You read that? All right, so that's the deal. I'm seeing some nods here. So they believe that there's hundreds of gods and that there's demigods, right? And so they're not very religious, but they, they kind of give the Jews over to that. Now, watch this thing unfold. You need to know that. Jesus in his ministry, he constantly pro- proclaims with his words, and he constantly proclaims with his power, and constantly proclaims with his miracles, and constantly proclaims that there is one way of salvation, and that's Jesus. He makes himself one with God. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to God except through me. And the religious leaders, they hate it. They absolutely hate it, because what's the one thing they don't tolerate? False gods. They're like, if you're claiming to be God, we will have none of it. And so Jesus, over and over again, claims he's the son of God. And so what do they do? They arrest him. And they bring him in and they try him unjustly under the religious ruler's court. And they find him and they try him and they have nothing to bring against him. But it doesn't matter because they hate him. And so they accuse him falsely. And they wanted to kill him so badly that it didn't matter if he was innocent or not. They're going to kill him. And so they bring him before Pilate. Now look in John 18, verse 28. This was our text from last week, so I won't spend a lot of time here. But it says, they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas. That's the high priest. That's the religious ruler. To the governor's headquarters, that's Pilate. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter in the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat of the Passover. So all these Jewish people are coming into Jerusalem for a celebration called the Passover. Verse 29. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? Basically what he's asking is, what do you accuse him of? You brought him to me. You want me to do something with him. What do you accuse him of? And look at what it says in verse 30. It says, they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Which means he's a bad guy. Kind of vague, isn't it? What accusation do you bring? Well, he's a bad man. I mean, if he wasn't a bad man, we wouldn't bring him to you, of course. Are you questioning our judgment, Pilate? He's a bad guy. And so they realize real quick, okay, we're going to have to have some type of accusation rather than he's just a bad guy. All right, we got to have something on him. And so uh, Luke 23, uh, we won't turn that, I'll just reference it. But it says that they decided that the accusation against him was that he's going to be misleading the nation. He's forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, and he's claiming to be a king. How about those accusations? Right? And so they say, I know, let's give him this. And so I want you to picture this. Pilate the leader of the Roman province in this time is standing there next to Jesus who's been beaten up a little bit so far. 
And they say, this guy says he's a king, he doesn't give tribute to Caesar, and he's trying to lead a nation revolt against Rome. And Pilate could just go, this guy? This guy's doing that? I mean, imagine, he's a servant, he's probably clothed like a peasant, he's probably been beaten up, all his disciples ran away, and now he's there and he's like, really? Jesus, what's he going to do to me? What's he going to do to Rome, right? And so here's the deal. You could just picture, I mean, he's just looking at him and he's like, okay, this guy's going to overthrow Rome. You're telling me this guy's a king? Doesn't make sense. This guy's not a king. Look at him. You're saying this guy's a threat to Caesar? He's not a threat to Caesar. Who is this? Are you kidding me? And so in verse 36, uh, Pilate Begins to talk to Jesus, and Jesus answered him. Pilate asked the question, are you a king? Let's ask him, Jesus. These guys say, you're a king. Are you a king? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And in verse 38, Pilate says, not guilty. He says, I find no fault in him. I find no guilt in him. He is not guilty. And so here's the deal. Listen to me. The Romans didn't kill Jesus because he was guilty. I know that's a popular understanding. There's a philosophy in the world that says, oh yeah, he deserved to die because he kept saying, he's not guilty. He looks at Jesus and he says, this guy is not a threat to Rome. This guy is not a threat to Caesar and we have no right to execute him. But Pilate is scared. Why is Pilate scared? Because the people want him dead. You with that? And so Pilate is scared because he's supposed to keep the peace And you've already seen what happens, Pilate. If you don't make us happy, we'll revolt and we'll get back to Caesar and you'll get the axe. It's your head. And so during the Passover, thousands and thousands of Jews would gather into the city of Jerusalem. And Pilate knows he's in bad shape right here. And to make things worse, the Jews know it. I mean, they got him cornered. Have you ever been cornered? Like no matter what you choose, you lose. Have you ever been there? And so he's cornered. The Jews know it. We'll revolt. We'll cause an uprising and it'll be your head. And so really, Pilate is being blackmailed right here. Pilate's really got two options on his hands. I could let him go, which is right, because he's not guilty, And then I have to deal with an uprising and a revolt and I could lose my position much worse. I could die or I could execute an innocent man. Therefore, crucifying my own soul. And so really, you got two options, Pilate. You got your neck or your soul. What are you gonna choose? Pilate doesn't know what he's gonna do with Jesus. And so he begins this process of all right, I got to figure something out here. 
Plan A. I know what I'll do. Look in uh, chapter 18, verse 31. This was plan A. They bring Jesus in. Chapter 18, verse 31, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. Basically, Pilate says, no, 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 I'm not dealing with this. You deal with this. You take him. You judge him. I don't want anything to do with it. That's plan A. Doesn't work. Okay. Plan B. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Jesus is from Galilee, right? There's a man in Nazareth by Galilee whose name is Herod. He's kind of the man. He's kind of the big wig over in that area. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ship Jesus off to him and let him deal with him. Right? You remember that? And so what do they do in, uh, where is it? Luke 23, verse 4 through 12. They pack up Jesus and they move him. Bring him before Herod. Herod looks at him, mocks him a little bit, beats him up a little bit, and is like, nah, I don't want to deal with it. Take him back to Pilate. Plan B, fail. Now, Pilate's really under some stress here. His heart's racing. It's either his soul or his neck, and he's scared. Jesus is innocent. He knows this whole thing is a plot. He knows that they want to execute Jesus, and he is afraid of revolt. And he asks the question, what am I going to do with Jesus? Okay, I got it. Plan C. It's a custom that I made with the Jewish people that on the Passover, I would actually release a Jewish prisoner, prisoner from the Roman jails. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer Jesus as the prisoner to be released and I'll be done with it. Now, now hear me. That's a good idea. Isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's a great idea. This guy's, this guy's pretty smart right here because if you remember Palm Sunday, which is actually what we celebrate today, Palm Sunday, he was coming in on a colt and what were all the people shouting? Hosanna, Hosanna, praise the king has come. Even the king of Israel, glory to God. Oh my goodness. And so he's like, oh, these people, they like Jesus. Remember when he rode in, they would take off their coats and lay them down. Remember how we would cut the palm branches and lay them down and make a way and the streets were lined and they were loving this guy. You know what? The people, they love Jesus. And right now, early in the morning, all these people are starting to arrive and come into the courts and it's being filled with all these people. And they're like, all right, these people, they love Jesus. And so they're there. And surely when I put Jesus up there, they will demand his release because they like him. And so I'm going to give them a choice. I need to find, I need to find the worst guy. Who's the worst guy we've got? Barabbas. Uh-huh. Uh, we've got to get Barabbas. And so get Barabbas and bring him up here. And the Bible says that Barabbas was guilty of insurrection, of, of revolt and uprising. He was a real criminal. He was a thief. He was a robber. He was a murderer. He was the scum of the scum. Get me Barabbas. And so Pilate, Puts him up there with Jesus. Now look in verse 39. This is where we left off last week. 
is where we'll pick it up this week. Not that that whole thing was an intro. Verse 39, Um, you guys have a custom that I should release one man at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? But they cried out, not this man, but Barabbas. And it says, now, Barabbas was a liar. Imagine this. Imagine this. Pilate's like, oh man, I've got a good plan here. He brings Jesus and he brings up uh, Barabbas. And he says to the people, he says, do you want me to release Jesus, the king of the Jews? And before he could even give them another option, they're like, no, no, not him. Release that guy, Barabbas, the guilty one. Don't release the innocent man. Release the guilty man. That's what we want. And so imagine Pilate right here thinking, what? What in the world are you guys doing? Are you kidding me right now? You want me to release Barabbas? How does that even come about? You ever thought of that? It says in Mark 15, the chief priests were stirring up the people. Barabbas, 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 Barabbas. You know, you know how you can get somebody hype. You know, you got the you got the hype men, right? They're probably the hype men right here saying, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. And they're getting all getting all hyped, and everybody's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Barabbas, that's the guy we want to be released. And so Pilate is freaking out. He starts to panic. He knows his neck is on the line. And and listen, right at this point of the game, Matthew 27 is probably one of the most profound questions in all of Scripture. I think I've got it up here. Matthew 27, 22. It says, Pilate looked at the people And said, what then shall I do with Jesus who you call the Christ? What do you want me to do? You want to know something? Pilate wasn't just saying that with his mouth. But he was saying it in his heart. In his heart, he's asking the question, what do I do with this Jesus? And you want to know something? It's the same question that every one of us has to face at some time. It's the ultimate decision about what to do with Jesus Christ. Hear me. You can't escape it. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. You can't cover your face. You can't turn your back. You can't avoid the question. You have to ask yourself, what do I do with this Jesus who's called the Christ? You can't get rid of him. 
Because Jesus is eternal. And so eventually you're going to have to make the decision for yourself. Every man, every woman, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every boy, and every girl must answer the question, what do I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And the masses say crucify him. And so in the last effort that Pilate has, Here's the final plan. I'm going to beat him so badly. I'm going to scourge him so badly that the next time they see this Jesus, they'll look at him and say, no, that's enough. I'm going to beat an innocent man that I've already five times up to this point said not guilty in the text, in the Bible. It says, not guilty. I'm going to beat him so badly. I'm going to make such a spectacle of him that, that he's no longer going to be seen as a threat. That somehow they'll say, that's, that's, that's enough. Look in 19 verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Do any of your Bibles say scourged? They flogged him. They scourged him. Let me tell you something about scourging. It's hideous. It's really bad. They had this thing called the scourger or cat and nine tails. It's like this, this rod, this thick stick, and it's wrapped in leather, and on the end, the leather would, would come off the stick. Uh, typically, there's nine strips of leather, and on the end of each strip is a piece of bone or lead or brass even. And it was filed and it was sharpened like a hook. And what they would do is they'd bring the man... And they'd either stretch him out on the ground flat or they would hang him from a post so his body's all stretched out. And they would lash his back 40 times with this weapon. 40 times. It says it was so gruesome that the organs and, and the internal body parts were, were seen clearly because all of the flesh and all of his skin was ripped off his back. Guys, it was a total shredding. It was so horrible that no Roman citizen, no matter how great the crime, would even have to endure a scourging because it was forbidden. If you're a Roman citizen, you... You don't go through that because it's too ugly for anyone who's from Rome. So many people think that Jesus bore our sins only when he died. But he bore our sins in all of his pain, 
and all of his suffering. He was bearing our sins in his mocking, in his torture, and in his flogging, even when he was still alive on the cross. Right here, he was bearing the punishment for your sin, for my sin. He was carrying that weight. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. It says, surely he's bore our griefs. Surely he's carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds and by his stripes were healed. So when they, when they punched him in the face, when they ripped the beard out of, his, out of his cheeks, when they mocked him and when they spit upon him and when they beat him and they lashed him, his suffering wasn't just the cross. It was even before that in every punch and every belittlement. And Jesus suffered so greatly for sin. Why? Because our sin deserves every possible punishment imaginable. And Jesus bore it all. He took it all on him. Look in verse two. And the soldiers, they twisted together a crown of thorns And they put it on his head and arrayed him and clothed him in a purple robe, mocking him. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And struck him with their hands. And Pilate went again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know and find no guilt in him. You see, Pilate, just let him be abused. Pilate, let him be tortured. Pilate, let him be beaten and mocked because it was his final effort to say, see this man? He is no threat. Look at verse five. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, And Pilate said, Behold, the man. Behold, the man. Jesus stands there. And his his face is probably swollen from them punching him probably got blood coming down his face from the crown of thorns that was rammed into his brow. His back is completely shredded. He probably has blood running all the way down the back of his legs. And he says, see, look at him. 
He wants them to see him. Look at him. Helpless. Powerless. There he stands. Behold the man. This is Pilate's final effort. Look in verse 6. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find what? No guilt in him. Pilate says, You kill him. You take him. You crucify him. You do with him. He's giving them the authority to do that. Now, now watch this. Look in verse 7. And the Jews answered him, Ah, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. Oh, and he knows that law. He knows what happens in that law. So here's the deal. The Jews are saying, we don't tolerate false gods. And this guy says he's the son of God. We can't have that. He must die. Now, Pilate is in a fatal panic here. This is new news. Watch it in verse 8. Watch what happens. He made himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he's the son of God, he was even more afraid. What do you have to be to be more afraid? You have to be afraid. But now he's even more afraid. I mean, he is at his end right now. He is panicking. Put yourself in that situation right now. He's Roman. What does he believe? There's hundreds of gods and there's demigods and they walk among us. So maybe now on top of all of it, maybe he's beating up the son of a god. Now, pile this frustration up. All right, pile it up. He's probably heard the character of Jesus. He's probably heard the teachings of Jesus. He probably hears the, the, the commotion because of Jesus' miracles. He has this warning from his wife that says, I had a dream. Don't do anything with this man. You need to avoid this guy. And it's all piling up. And then the Jews say, no, we have a law. We're gonna riot. He's against them. And now, Add to it all the possibility that he's the son of a God. He's even more afraid now. Look in verse 9. So he enters his headquarters. Jesus, come here. I need to talk to you. He brings Jesus in. And again he says to Jesus... Where are you from? What's he asking right there? 
He's not asking what his address is. He knows he's from Galilee. He knows he's from Nazareth. He says, Jesus, where are you from? I need to know because I'm freaking out right now. What's he asking him? Are you the son of God? What's happening in this moment? He says, where are you from? But listen to this. Jesus gave no answer. Isaiah 53, 7. He was opposed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Imagine the silence in that room. Jesus, where are you from? Jesus doesn't say a word. Where are you from? And so Pilate tries to pull rank on him. And so Pilate said to him, verse 10, you won't speak to me? Don't you know who I am? You tell me, where are you from? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you or authority to crucify you? And right there, he's telling the truth. He does have the authority to release him or crucify him, but he doesn't have the guts to do either. Put yourself in that situation. An opportunity to exalt him or push him down, and we don't have the guts to do either. Whole another sermon, probably. Jesus answered him, I love this answer. You actually would have no authority over me unless I had given it to you from above. It's like he says, I was born for a certain purpose, and so are you. And you have this authority because it's been given to you from heaven. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Many people think that the crucifixion of Jesus and Jesus being delivered over is out of control. Let me tell you something. It's not out of control. It's absolutely in control. Jesus at no point loses control. Everything, step by step by step, is moving along. And the only one in the room that's panicked is Pilate. Pilate, hearing the words of Jesus, he knows Jesus is innocent. He's scared to death. And then verse 12 From then on, Pilate sought to release him. He's trying to be releasing him ever since he came into his house. He says, no, I'm trying to release him. But the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Pilate knows that Tiberius will not allow a traitor. 
And so he chooses his neck over his soul. That was the last straw. Okay, I'll kill him. As the band just comes back up, it's a time of response. I'm going to close with verse 13 through 16. And I want you to read it with me. The Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard those words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the Stone Pavement. In Aramaic called Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said, You want me to crucify your king? Is that what you want? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. What's this saying to us? What's this saying to you? What's this saying to me? It's saying it doesn't matter who you are. Listen to me from my heart. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what life you lived. I don't care if you grew up on the church pew or you grew up on the streets. I don't care if you have a head full of biblical knowledge or you've been to some some class or you've been in Sunday school since you were four years old. I don't care. You personally have got to do something with Jesus Christ. What do I do with this man? Either he's a complete liar or blasphemer or, or crazy loon. Or he's really the son of God. Pilate attempted over and over and over again to get rid of Jesus. He couldn't do it. You know why? No man can do it. You got to do something with him. I guess the question for us is what are you going to do with Jesus who's called the Christ? Your soul or your neck? Eternity's at stake. 
Today, I pray that you would meet Christ in such a supernatural way that you'll learn what living is all about. That you'll learn that following Jesus and glorifying God is the greatest joy. Even if you stand among the crowd and say, I'm with him, I'm with him, I'm with him, I'm with him, I believe. Don't pass the buck. Don't hide your eyes. Hebrews says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, may you see. Don't compromise. Don't be indifferent. Don't run away. You've got to do something with Jesus today. What do you do with Jesus who's called the Christ? I believe the only wise thing to do is to accept him as Lord and Savior. John chapter 1 says, He came to his own. And his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. What are you going to do? with Jesus who's called the Christ. I pray you'd receive him. Become a child of God. So let's pray. Jesus, Pilate was so afraid You think Jesus was the prisoner? He wasn't the prisoner. Pilate was the prisoner. He was enslaved and he was entrapped and he was surrounded by fear. And even in this place, there's some whose hearts are beating quickly, who are thinking of fear. Jesus, remove our fear through faith in you. Let us believe you. Let us receive you so that we would become children of God. So as we walk out these doors, as we go about our schools and our workplaces and our families and our neighborhoods, let us not be surrounded by fear, but let us be bold because we are children of God. And so today I pray that every one of us will make a decision to call you Lord, Savior, God, and King. Be our King. Be our King. Be our King. In Jesus' name, amen.